Hello, folks. Welcome to We're Doom Podcast. My name is Brandon McIntosh. I'm your host of this uplifting show here. With me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler Shaftsma. Tyler, how are you? Howdy, Brandon. I'm good. I'm Drink, great. Drinking a bush light like a true Canadian living out in the country. I was saying now that I got a mullet, I've been just uh, attaching weed eater motors to things. <laughs> what is that? Well, for what purpose? What does that do? See if you can drive them, you know? You ever see guys that put like a weed eater motor on a cooler or a toilet? Don't you need wheels. wheels as well? Oh, you attach the motor to wheels, you idiot. <laughs> okay. That is a fun concept. Well, I can't wait to ride your fun weed whacker mobiles. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking a nice cold glass of red wine, like someone who truly doesn't know how to drink alcohol. I don't know who put the bottle in the fridge, but I'm okay with it. Speaking of people who can't drink alcohol, I literally can't, and I'm drinking water like I do all day, every day. Please kill me. Hi, guys. Hey, we got our guest here, Danny Menlo. I think it's a third time you're on here, buddy. You're uh, you're basically a member of this uh, this podcast here. You're you do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. I'm definitely a member of the We're Doomed cult community slash. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, background wise, I, I was actually a featured writer on Michael Ruppert's Collapse Net That's website. Right. That's a perfect uh, credit for this show created by the star of the documentary collapse which is about all the ways that we're doomed so i've been in the, I've been in the doom zeitgeist since uh at least well pretty much since i was born but like hardcore since i was probably like seven yeah, yeah. and i'd even go as far as call you like a half-assed producer of us yeah, you're, yeah. Me and Tyler were show and a lot of the stuff that we have filmed over the years. Yeah, we emphasis were, emphasis on half half. Oh, sure. half half <laughs> half ass producer in general. <laughs> hey guys, well, half ass plus a half ass cre- makes a whole ass. So. Yeah, you get you get a few half ass producers in a room, you might make something. And a full ass, like me and Tyler, we half ass to talk. Tyler, Danny half ass is a social media, and then we come together and make a full ass. Tyler, you should, you've been in the business long enough to know that a half-assed producer is called an executive producer. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you just give yourself, you give yourself a more important credit to do much less work. That's awesome. But, so <laughs> those half-assed producers have checkbooks. So. Right. But Danny, hey yeah. <laughs> so, so we might have some new listeners today, thanks to Danny. He went on a, a, tw- a Twitter rampage the other night and really got hashtag going. What was it? We're doomed because... We're doomed because, yeah, every Tuesday night, me, Tyler Morrison, and uh, Mr. Shazma here, and Ashley Sloggett, we hit take to the Twitter sphere Tuesdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, and we host a hashtag game. So last uh, this Tuesday, we did one dedicated to this podcast. You can go check it out on Twitter. Just put in the hashtag, we're doomed because. Yeah, it's and, awesome. Uh, I didn't even know we had a Twitter. That's how behind I am. And that's how behind the scenes I am. I created that Twitter when you started the show. <laughs> I recall us trying to do it, and then you gave me a password, and it didn't work. And that was the end of it for me. I just I don't use Twitter. But for some reason, I have TikTok. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I, and I put in one solid week of getting that Twitter account up and running and haven't touched it since until Tuesday. 
And then Tuesday it went crazy, and uh, it actually was trending in the U.S. Brandon, that's wow. how your little show was. Uh, hashtag was trending in the U.S. Well, that's who need to hear it because uh, if there's anywhere on this planet that is truly falling into collapse, it's America. So let's let's half-ass inform those people. <laughs> and I, I was just I was just telling you guys about this book I've been reading all year called After America. Uh, narratives for the next global age and it's a, a historian who's literally just looking at the last 150 years and just saying you know he's just outright calling it this was in 2009 during obama by the way not trump era this yeah. was after after the 2008 collapse he was just like i'm calling here's the five possible scenarios that'll happen after that yeah how, how long is that book i'm kind of interested in reading that I'll I'll send you the link, uh, but it's it's so it's really easy to read. It's digestible, but it's so intense and like topical to read. Like he just nails everything that's going on in the world right now. This guy just called it in two thousand nine, and he gives it historical context. And he's very like historians have the luxury of not being attached to anything politically. They're just very fact based. Yeah, and that's what we need. That's what I've re- I've really been digging history lately there's uh, a canadian podcast i listened to and i worked for for free just because i liked what he was doing called canadian history x and um yeah I, i've been on a real history kick lately because it's just like there's no bullshit with history it's just like this is what happened and and it really exposes a lot of trends you know like i i am currently calling this decade to be the, tw- the 1920s the roaring 20s again Meets the 1960s plus robots. That's what I'm calling. <laughs> wow, what a, what a time to be alive. That's a fair. That's a fair prediction because that, that's the that's the 2020s movies movie elevator pitch. I think. Yeah, you can see the rise in in psychedelics like the 60s, and then there's robots too. So, but also the back to the land movement. Like this is a huge thing that's happening in Canada. Uh, but also in, in the United States, it's like explosive, uh, especially with young people, just leaving of the cities, just abandoning their apartments, just yeah. run, running to the hills like never before. People are cashing out of Vancouver and Toronto. Everyone knows those markets are like ludicrously overpriced. Yeah. I'm so uh, happy I lived in Toronto when I did and got the fuck out because you <laughs> see everyone doing it now. It's just yeah. fucking, it is a trend. And I'm the and idiot who just bought a house. <laughs> what am I? What am I? I should be running to the woods, right? Well, hold on. Where did you buy it, though? Uh, London, Ontario. <laughs> That'll be fine. <laughs> Everywhere outside of the major cities is booming. Those markets are going to go through, like Nova Scotia right now is going through the goddamn roof. Everyone's moving to Nova Scotia because it's the only place in the country that had reasonable real estate. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the other side of the country on Vancouver Island, and like this has been going on for years. But especially since COVID hit, you can sell your house in Vancouver for two million dollars, move to the island, spend a million dollars on like a dream house with five acres, and still have a million bucks in the bank to just buy skidoos and, and boats. Like, yeah, it's, it makes sense. So many people are doing it; it's insane. Start hoarding firewood. Yeah, get rid of your millions and just buy gold. That's the future, right? Well, and the, and gold. So, so the real trend to watch next is, so I, I'm in the middle of nowhere right now. This is a town called Coombs. Uh, I love it. And my buddy just bought this house. 
and it's like this is like the tiniest town ever. Uh, but he's got he's got a Starlink satellite on the roof, so I've got high speed internet in a place that you never would have gotten it before. Thanks as to Elon as, Musk, Elon Musk Starlink. Yeah, and as oh, soon as as soon as next? as soon as Starlink is available everywhere, then that like that opens up the grid. You no longer need and 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 so. The way that work has evolved over the last year, it's now normalized to work from home and to work remotely. So why the hell would you live in a city? Exactly. And like literally the, the second it's mobile, as soon as I can strap a Starlink satellite to a van, I'm going full Tom Green. Like I'm yeah. never going to, why would I ever have an address again? Yeah. Like Just, that, that's that been my fucking plan for years and now it's becoming like more and more possible and more and more people are doing it. And like the one factor is work and the internet and have, well, as soon as you can have that in your pocket, then you're good. And like, yeah. I can, I can load up my camera gear in my van and just take off. Yeah. Tom Green's doing it the best way. Yeah. You can do, you can do comedy tours. Like I, you know, I can make money on the road as a standup yeah. and, <laughs> and I, and I just need an internet connection so I can market the shows. Exactly. What happens when everyone starts doing this though? You're just, you're you're just trying to little standup shows in like little communities. It's going to be everywhere. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Like I went to a live music show with like 60 people in somebody's backyard last week. For my birthday and it was like that's how it should be done that's like we need that everywhere yeah like can you imagine like just, you just go all the way out to the middle of the woods and build your cabin and five years later you're just surrounded by other cabins you're like god damn it <laughs> i well, came here like, for some solitude i love the innovation that came out of the pandemic like Dinesh anwar said okay so who says comedy has to be done in a basement yeah. And he started doing shows on his roof, the roof, yeah. <laughs> the roof of his of his condo. And it's like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Yeah, do amazing. it on our driveway. Yeah, I'm I'm booked in a backyard on a backyard show in like a couple of weeks, and it's like, why weren't people doing this before in the summer? <laughs> and, you know, everyone's always had backyards, but they still file into a club. <laughs> and yeah. like, why not do it under? It's the just stars? this absence of uh, social activity the last year and a half that just people are just up for anything. Anything it'll get you excited. Like, I'll gladly go listen to some shitty guitar player play a bunch of Neil Diamond songs and I will <laughs> sing along and I will dance because I'll be yeah. just so stoked to see it. But and I, I think we're, I think we're going to see an innovation in performance in general, like more mixed genres like music and comedy and sketch. Like you know, the first show that I produced, you know, co-produced with a bunch of guys and girls in Vancouver, we did everything. We did sketch, we did live music, we did stand up. Like it was like a seven hour show from 8 p.m. <laughs> to like 2 a.m. And you know, there was like four different shows within that, but it was so much fun. And like, and we had a projector and we screened videos that we shot that week. Like, I, I don't understand the, the limitations that we impose on ourselves as performers. Like, why do you, why would you just do a stand up show? Yeah. Yeah. Sky's the limit right now. You just do whatever you can. Because comedy is pure and it has to be done in a dingy basement that smells like shit with four other depressed dudes yeah with a no. bunch of headshots of comedians you don't know and <laughs> I, I i called it uh last summer but almost a year ago i said we're going to be performing for for sustenance we're going to be going from mountain tribe to mountain tribe and then you'll get a, a little satchel of squirrel jerky and that'll sustain oh you to get, get to the next show that's my dream <laughs> that's my dream position in the future when we're yeah we are living in tribes and you know, you can't trust each tribe. You might there might be cannibals roaming around. 
But as long as you got that sense of humor, man, you, you got that fire, you're safe. Like that that's where I think like our sense of humor might save our asses cuz we're none of us are very handy. Like we we can barely do shit out there. We think we can. Well, we, a, we were, we were talking about hatchet today. I bought a new hatchet today and split some wood, all right? I'm handy. Yeah. You also <laughs> bought a bunch of fish. You didn't catch them. <laughs> It's easier that way. <laughs> well, we, we were talking before we started recording about how we're all kind of like from various small towns. I mean, that that is literally how I survived. Like in my town, like people got their asses beat up a lot. Like it was very violent fucking place to grow up. And the only reason I survived was my sense of humor. Like yeah. you make you make the bullies laugh and then they protect you. Like yeah, that's and pretty I, much and, how- <laughs> and we're all surprised Tyler survived his uh childhood, especially after last episode we learned how many bombs he made. <laughs> and he's got all his limbs. But now it's a skill I have so I can make people laugh and I can build a bomb and blow their shit up while I'm making them laugh. Hey, there, there's really? another asset for the future tribes, right? Yeah. Were, you, were you doing a lot of napalm? That was popular with the weird kids that I grew yeah. up with. Yeah, a lot of styrofoam I mean, and gasoline. Styrofoam and gasoline. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, God. I, I was doing tinfoil tin foil and Drano is another good one. Yeah. Were, were you guys so playing the game Bomb Charlie or what? <laughs> <laughs> we used to just play a game where we lit, like you would stand next to somebody and each person would have lighter fluid and you would spray each other down and then light each other on fire and then see who could take their clothes off fastest. (laughs) (laughs) Days before the internet. What a time. We're doomed. (laughs) We're doomed. All right. So Danny, you're you're talking to us from the West coast there. How's the temperature right now? You look, you look fairly comfortable. We, uh, today's not as bad as yesterday, but, um, let me uh, pull up the article here. Yeah, you guys are headed into a hell. So this is, looks like this you're is, in, going into a cookout. This is Gizmodo yesterday. A record-breaking and dangerous heat wave is about to hit the West Coast. The record-obliterating heat wave will hit California, Oregon, Washington, and parts of Canada. Now, I know somebody looked it up yesterday. Kamloops in the interior of BC looks to be the worst in Canada. They're projecting to get 48 degrees Celsius, Holy which is 100, 116 degrees Fahrenheit. Now the hottest I've ever been in was 105 Fahrenheit in Chicago. And that was a heat wave in the summer there. And like the entire city was trying to like clamor their way into the public pools or else people were like literally dying. Yeah, it's wild. It's like the whole, the, the world feels different when it's that hot. I think the hottest I experienced was in Toronto. I think it was 42 degrees, maybe a little bit more with humidity, but it was like just everything was just thick. Like it was heavy. Like we went to see an outdoor concert and like we couldn't even enjoy it just because we were just sweltering the whole time. Yeah, I think I was in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say. And then the fact that Kamloops is about to like hit 47, 48, like that's temperatures that like the Middle East hits. Like the equator hits those temperatures. That's yeah, and like, like you know, last year was actually okay for forest fires in BC. Maybe not uh, California and other places, but we had an okay summer last year. We had enough rain. Um, this year, it's like mass drought everywhere already. We were doing okay until now, but like the west west coast of Canada is a rainforest, so like we get more rain than the average part. But two, year, two years ago, three years ago, huge forest fires in BC. 
definitely going to see them again this year already probably happening elsewhere yeah there was forest fires in ontario last year and the year before like northern ontario was bad for lighting up and with those temperatures getting that like are they going to get that bad on the east coast or are they going to get it out this way uh it doesn't it seems fairly normal here like the weather's been amazing in ontario and i think we're going to get it hard in august and september i heard according to the uh weather scientists i i I prefer listening to a bunch of old farmers and the almanac and what they're going to predict all all i know is two years ago i was here for a family reunion for a couple of weeks and when i got on the ferry to go from nanaimo to vancouver the whole island was on fire and the whole like the whole province was on fire (laughs) that's wild. wild And last year we didn't get the fires here, but they had them in Washington and Oregon. Yeah. And the the smog, I think you guys, I think we recorded one one day, like I could, you couldn't breathe, and it was so thick the smog, like all through BC for like a, a whole week, couldn't see the sun, it was blocked out. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, everything that comes with a with a heat wave, you know, like a extreme drought that leads to fire. Um, that's scary. Yeah, and and, like, and, a, and and a perfect segue to our, our main topic today. Check this article out: September twenty second, twenty twenty. Study suggests abrupt ocean warming could lead to mass fish deaths. Yeah, the fish are dying, my friend. But uh, as as Earth continues to grow warmer due to emissions from greenhouse gases, scientists are trying to understand what it could mean for the future of the planet and its inhabitants. In this new effort, researchers looked at the impact of abrupt ocean warming events on fish populations. These events are predicted to occur more often as the planet warms. So it's it's already creating more acidic water, which is killing coral reefs which kills the fish. Like it's a whole chain reaction thing. I'm sure Brandon knows more about the, oh, yeah. Yeah. the domino, how, fault, right? how the dominoes fall, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. our fault, right? It's humans fault. Like, cause we wrecked, we wrecked everything. And now it's just like, oh, yeah. quicker we'll because it. like the sun's not getting any closer, <laughs> but, <laughs> but what if we could push the moon farther away? That's the question. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to get into the doomed person of the week. <laughs> I don't know if you got you guys heard this Republican. He's a Republican from Texas. Uh, where is he? What's his name? Uh, Louis Gohmert. Um, please, tell, please tell me he actually wants to push the moon away. Yeah, he suggested in conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, he was being completely serious in a topic about climate change and solutions we can do to help uh, fix the planet, right? And Because clearly he's from Texas. He loves his oil. He doesn't want to get rid of this oil. They're probably lining his pockets. So he suggested, how about the uh, the Bureau of Land Management and NASA team up together and uh, move the moon just a little bit? Because, <laughs> you know, because the moon uh, affects our, our tides and he believes the tides affect our climate. And if we just just move the moon just a smidge, just uh, give it a nudge, just give a little nudge that it'll fix everything. So that guy's name. That guy's name comes up a lot. He's like he's kind of the kingpin of of idiotic Republican uh, news flashes. Like, and he's but he's completely so somber when he says it. Like he's completely serious when he's talking. Rolling Stone's calling him the dumbest guy in Congress. 
<laughs> wow, that takes a lot to get that title. The headline says the dumbest guy in Congress asks U.S. Forest Service if it can change the moon's orbit. So not only <laughs> is he is he trying to move the moon, he's get, she's trying to get the U.S. Forest Service to do it. Yeah, what are they going to do? Just like put up a big ladder? Just like <laughs> just go run into it really hard and yeah. see if it'll move a bit. Like who would be the people to do it? NASA? Would it be Sp- SpaceX? Would you have to go to Elon Musk to help move the moon? Let's talk about this. Yeah. How yeah. how would we move the moon? How is it possible? What do you think? Magnets. Magnets. Good answer. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you strap a bunch of uh, intense rockets to the moon, I guess, on just on one end and just turn them all no, on. No. And pull, and pull it. it. Try to pull it. None of, none of these are good ideas. None of them are going to work. What if we uh, nuke uh, the moon? You think it'll nudge it off course a little I'm bit? Sur- I'm surprised. Won't, won't, do a goddamn thing. won't do a goddamn thing. Why? Because we're going to disrupt the moon bases that are up there already? No, because it's it, we're we are insignificant um, when compared to the moon and especially to the Earth. I mean, there's that classic George Carlin bit where he, you know, talks about the, the how arrogant we are that we think that we can, you know, we're not. We t- when we talk about destroying the planet, we're, we're, Carlin's line was, "We're not going. The planet's not going anywhere. We are. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah." All we're going to do is kill ourselves and maybe some of the species here, and then the Earth will just be fine. Like and something else will dominate. Could be the squirrels. The squirrels can come up and I, dominate next. And you I, never I know. Don't, I don't think you could actually move the moon. <laughs> like, if you do, <laughs> it's just, like, it's either going to go out of control out of orbit, and then you got this big rock flying around, but it's, like, it's got a gravity like it's got an orbit to yeah. it right well, I think you, such mean, a, you can't fuck with that there's such a gap between so you know brandon made a good point so, okay so nuclear bomb is like the hydrogen bomb is like the most powerful weapon we think that we've created and th- but then from there you go to cern in switzerland and it's like we can either like let light off a pretty big bomb which doesn't really do much. It leaves behind some residue. But we've let we've let off thousands of bomb, nuclear bombs te- through testing. Whatever, it doesn't really do much. It, le- it leaves behind some radioactivity. It's n- it's not moving the planet. It's not even punching a hole in the planet. Really, it's just killing a bunch of stuff within a certain radius. But then in CERN, they're talking about literally tr- accidentally creating the Big Bang. Yeah, and and destroying the entire universe so that like there's a lot of room between those two things yeah but none of them involve anything that can move a planet or a moon and if we move the moon the aliens are just going to move it right back or they need it <laughs> yeah but i think you're right tyler magnets magnets are the way to go <laughs> no you can't do it with magnets not big enough magnets all right let's leave the moon alone the moon didn't do anything to us let's leave it alone it's only there to yeah. give us joy in the tide. That's what it's there for. We should probably just quit putting plastic bottles in the ocean. Yeah, that too. But before we get to our main topic again, sorry. Oh. I got one more. I just couldn't resist. We keep throwing segues, eh? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you're getting to the segues before me, right? You're, you're quicker at segues. But this one last one's real quick. Um, let me just read the headline here. This doesn't have anything to do with the end of the world. This is more fits into the doom person topic, I guess. More doom people because it involves more than one person. All right. So headline says police break up exorcism 
at uh, <laughs> at Philadelphia Home Depot. Always, always a good call. So you get a call to the Home Depot. It was it was already a great headline, and then you got to throw in the <laughs> Philadelphia Home Depot. Or I don't think win. it's I don't think it's no, it's not Philadelphia. I don't know what state it is. Police in Lackawanna County broke up an exorcism in the lumber aisle of a home improvement store Monday. So details are scarce on just what was going on inside the Home Depot, but better uh, than the plumbing aisle. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> but it makes you think, though, because like lumber is super expensive right now. So what were they doing? Maybe they're just complaining about how, <laughs> how expensive it was. Hold on, hold on. I I, I got to go back back one second. Okay. This is the this is the actual quote from Gomer. Yeah. Uh, we know there's been significant solar flare activity, and so is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to Black change lives the matter? <laughs> Apparently, to change <laughs> the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Gomer inquired. Obviously, that would have profound effects on our climate. So that's his solution to climate change. Basically. Wow. It sounds 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 like it'll work. <laughs> But uh, anyways, yeah, this this exorcist story. <laughs> Police were called to the store around 326 to escort several people out of the store for bad behavior. So this is what they were doing. I don't know why they called it an exorcist. According to the reports, the exorcism was held for the trees that had been turned into lumber. Uh, it's just fucking hippies. It, it, it is hippies. Yeah. But that's not what an exorcism is. It's always maybe, hippies, Brent. Maybe if this lumber, if the if this lumber was possessed by a demon, maybe that would be an exorcism. Um, looks, I like, think that, looks like look, looks like Brandon's possessed by an angel. The way that light's shining. Oh, I got a bright screen. He, he I know. can't. He can never figure out his dimness. Every time we do a meeting, he's like so pasty white because he just got his computer brightness cranked to a hundred. It's right in my face. I gotta see that bright light. <laughs> But uh, several people were arrested. Um, so far, no charges were filed. I think the police were probably just confused. Because, uh, yeah, it, this makes no sense. Why are they calling it an exorcism? It, would, it wouldn't... Would it, aren't they trying to bring the trees back to life? What would that be called? Reincarnating? Uh, reanimating? I understand why people get mad at lumber. We need wood. We got to keep planting trees. And then you take the wood and you build things. <laughs> Tyler's oh, lesson on wood. <laughs> there's a huge, pro uh, very significant protest going on not far from me right now. I'm actually probably going tomorrow to film it. Uh, my friend Colby's gone twice to, to, to record it, but the, they're calling it the last stand of the old growth forest on Vancouver Island. Yeah, I've been reading about that. You're going to that. Good for you. Um, but it's... Uh, Depending on who you believe, but uh, some people are saying that we're down to like our last two percent of old growth forests uh, in British Columbia, generally speaking. And so this is like a, a major, significant amount of them that are at this place called Ferry Creek, and it's exposing a lot of interesting uh, indigenous issues, primarily that essentially the the white man, the RCMP and the crown designated these guys as chiefs, but that's not how the indigenous structure their society. Like they don't have one leader. Yeah. It's a count. It's a council. And at the head of the council is actually the medicine man. He's the highest right. in, 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 in command of their hierarchy and a council of, of the women. It's a matriarchal 
all indigenous cultures on earth are mostly matriarchal societies that are run by a council of elder women. Um, so they just created this dude in all the, in every indigenous community in Canada. And we're like, yeah, he's the chief now, but that's not how their society operates traditionally. Oh, white man. When are you going to learn? The, I like so, how the medicine man is in charge though. It's like, you know, who, who's the guy who can eat the most magic mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> He's the leader. Be. Yeah, exactly. That's who we need so our the, elected leaders. So that's sort of like the trick they've been using to be like, well, the chief says, that, but li literally it's just like a guy who they've been just giving cars and money to, but he's not really the dude who actually calls the shots, traditionally speaking. All right. So this is happening at Ferry Creek. This is affecting all kinds of people. But what I haven't heard is how is this affecting the fairies, Danny? I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. Uh, Probably well, not, not, not positively. If you cut down their forest, yeah, I mean, they're, I've, they're I've, losing I've, their homes. I'm basing this. Trees. I'm basing this entirely on the movie Fern Gully, but I think that's 100 percent accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fairies need a, a, an environment to live in, and they need those trees and those those old trees, and we're cutting them all down. I but know. that's cr that's crazy when you say like we're down to two percent left of like old growth, like. And then, like, what's the gap between that and like? Well, the thing with old shit. The thing with old growth is it's irreplaceable. You're talking about like yeah, eight hundred to two thousand year old trees. You know, if you cut down the California redwoods, you're you're waiting a long time until they grow back. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna have those for another eight hundred thousand years. So, like, yeah, there's plenty of. 100 200 year old trees and they're lovely but we're gonna but, cut those down too like that's next right you just move. yeah those are on a those are on a rotating crop basis already and that's what most of the province is and you know i'm look i'm looking right now at probably 60 to 100 year old trees and they're lovely and they're tall and they're, they're pretty but when you when you go through cathedral grove here on the island and you see 800 year old trees it's like yeah uh, truly like jaw-dropping awe-inspiring like uh, yeah how, how could it how could anyone ever think to cut these things down yeah and I, it's alive too uh, yeah no I, I love that about driving through uh through the island where you are through nanaimo and up around there i did that drive once in the back of a pickup truck with brian o'gorman but that's another story for another day <laughs> <laughs> who, who is now who now lives in victoria out here on the yeah yeah exactly it's a great place Let's do it. Let's dive into the ocean. Let's do it. Let's take a big dive. We go swimming with the fishes. Hold on, hold on. Hey, you guys got your you guys got your air tanks? You got your air tanks? We got our air tanks. We got our balloons. I don't even know what accents we're doing, but it's probably <laughs> racist and we should stop. Mine was mine was vaguely indiscernible, so it could have been anything. All my accents don't really, they all turn Australian after like two sentences. <laughs> That's perfect. Just a mix of all, it's a world accent. That's what we need. Just a world accent. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm horrific at accents. I could never do them. Impressions are fine if they're funny. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's dive into our main topic here, Danny. You, you did a great job segueing in before, but I wasn't done yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, congrats, congrats on the great segue. Let's roll into this topic of uh, our dying oceans, because uh, okay. they are they are on their way out, my friend. And 
it's it's not good because we live on a water planet that has a few spots with land popping up. That's basically it. Everything's water. Our whole body is made up of water. The water is in the atmosphere. We live on a water planet. We've and talked about it a lot. It's pretty important. It's pretty important. Tyler, you have a I tattoo have that says stay, my fucking wrist. says stay hydrated because, you know, water is key to life. Yeah. And so, uh, humanity seems to seems to feel fine with just destroying that and just fucking up our oceans. So this is a, this is a great article I, I stumbled across researching for this episode. It's called uh, If the Ocean Dies, We All Die. This is on the website seashepherd.org. It's the tagline, Protecting Marine Wildlife Worldwide. This is commentary by the captain of the Sea Shepherd website, Paul Watts. Well, I've heard uh, on several podcasts over the years. He's the guy who like attacks Chinese fishing boats for like whaling and stuff, right? And like uh, illegal fishing. I have no idea. Yeah, aren't they the guys with like the water cannons that just blast them with water and shit and just ram their boats? Probably in the same circles as the uh, uh, Greenpeace and that kind of thing. Yeah, but they're <laughs> yeah, they're just like hippie pirates. They're they're doing they're doing good. Exactly. Um, okay, so check this out. Billions of people depend on the ocean for food. And I'm not talking about restaurants, sushi bars, and fish markets in New York, Paris, London, Tokyo, or Sydney. I'm talking about extremely poor people whose lives actually depend on catching fish. But food being taken from the ocean is the least of the factors that will kill us. The ocean is the life support system for the planet, providing 50% of the oxygen we breathe and regulating our climate. The ocean is also the pump that allows us to have fresh water. It is the driving force along with the sun of the global circulation system that transports water from the land to the sea, to the atmosphere, and back to the land again. So that's sort of the opening salvo. Um, I'm going to read two more paragraphs, and then I think we can, we'll have enough to go off for the whole bloody podcast. Oh, yeah. So the first, the first point he makes is plankton. The most important group of plants and animal species on the planet, excluding bacteria, Plankton populations have been diminished by 40% since 1950, yet there's now commercial exploitation by Norwegian and Japanese fishing corporations to extract millions of tons of plankton for conversion to a protein-rich animal feed. Every year, 65 billion animals are slaughtered to feed humans, and some 40% of all the fish caught is converted to fish meal to feed the pigs, chickens, domestic salmon, a.k.a. salmon farms, fur-bearing animals, and cat food. With fish populations diminishing, the corporations are now looking to replace fish meal with a plankton paste. What a clusterfuck. Holy smokes. (laughs) Is cheap fish meal for domestic animals worth robbing the planet of our oxygen supplies? No. Where does oxygen come from? 50% comes from the forest that we are rapidly cutting down. Goes back to our uh, fairy creek we were just talking about. The rest comes from the sea. So we're cutting down all our forests, which provides 50% of the the oxygen. The other 50% comes from plankton, which we're now extracting to feed our cats and dogs, our pigs, chickens, and cows so that we can eat hamburgers and have Chick-fil-A. And it it all comes down to what all this always comes down to. We live on a planet of finite resources. We live in an economic paradigm of infinite growth. 
it is not compatible and eventually it will lead to systemic collapse. Yeah. So humans are basically stealing the base food of the entire ocean. It all starts with plankton and we're taking that to feed our cats. Our cat, you can feed our cats anything. They'll be happy. Any kind of meat and you scrape in the oceans for plankton, which is like literally just keeps a balance of the earth alive. Like as the fish eat the plankton, larger fish eat the fish, whales eat the fish, but it all starts with plankton. And yeah, and, and when you're going to that base level of the the food chain, you know what what this guy's trying to point out is like, um, you know, it's it's similar to to what we've been dealing with with our friend Karina on the land. You know, the, the equivalent to plankton, I guess, you know, would be like would be how important bees are. Yeah, you, you that's a good comparison. The bees of the sea. You take out the bees, everything else, like nothing grows. Nothing. Ha- there's no food. There's nothing. It's, Who, it's all Kar- dead. Karina's going to be a future guest. We're going to have her on in a couple weeks. Talk but, about yeah, the bees. Yeah. It, to talk about the bees. But yeah, the plankton is the same thing. And it's like, it's so funny how like humans look at like this hierarchy of meat. You know, you put cows at the top and then down you got your pigs are less than cows right and then fish is usually at the bottom of that meat heart hierarchy and now we want to take the fish's food to feed our fucking cats like it's so backwards we should be eating the cat (laughs) (laughs) that's the solution (laughs) or like like? i don't this the the hierarchy of meat is uh something to talk about it'll change once uh, society collapses you won't care what meat you eat well the thing that i'm so fascinated about is like if you listen to ancient and indigenous cultures they already had this all worked out like twenty thousand years ago they figured out you have to respect the earth you have to live in balance with nature and that's what their whole culture is based on is like yeah not not overfishing like, yeah, they didn't have they, a bunch of scientists roaming around like with beakers. Balance, like, yeah. ah, perfect. We mix these two beakers together. We figure out everything is in balance. It's like no, because they're living in nature. Uh, That's how yeah. you know. And like they, they already worked all this shit out, and now we're, we're like scientifically coming to the conclusion that hey, maybe we should live in harmony with the goddamn planet that provides us the ability to exist. Like, yeah. what a concept! Like, wow, and we're, we're like way too late too. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually an advanced civilization they're so much more ahead of where we are because we're just tipping the scales the wrong way and stealing everything and eating everything it's like so not balanced the way we harvest all meat and the way we harvest the ocean for fish and now plankton like yeah. already already like crazy fish like the, there's not enough fish in the ocean and with the heating up the fish are gonna die the coral reefs are dying yeah, it doesn't take much to completely knock out, like completely wipe out an ecosystem in the ocean because it's extremely sensitive. Just by a half a degree, like you change a half a degree in an ecosystem in the ocean and that'll change everything. Like species will start dying because of it. And it's and this whole thing with plankton, Danny, like I had no idea that we were like just pulling plankton out of the water to feed animals that like, you're telling me that was news to me. Like I had some other horrible news about plankton that was completely separate from us harvesting it. 
is the acidification of the ocean, like you talked about, which is caused mostly by pollution and the greenhouse effect, um, is acidifying the oceans. And they are very minor degrees, like when you look at the changes in the pH levels, but that they're huge, huge changes. And it's pretty much uh, as the ocean gets more acidified, it gets less calcium. So any shellfish like crabs and lobsters and clams and stuff, they won't be able to make shells if like if it's this acidic in the ocean. They won't have the calcium they need to create shells. In fact, and that's where it comes to plankton. Plankton, as small as they are, they have a tiny little bit of protection around them made of calcium. And with this acidic ocean, it's just going to completely dissolve it. And they have zero protection from, from anything, from the sun, from the pollution, from the overheating of the ocean. They're just out in the open. And they're not just going to be wiped out from humans just scraping them up and feeding them the cats. They're just going to be wiped out just, just by the sun, just by the heat, just because they have no defense anymore. And so this is uh, continuing on that article I was reading earlier um, about the abrupt ocean warming leading to mass fish deaths. So this re really ties into what you're saying here. Um, so researchers studied a mass fish die-off that occurred in 2017 along the coast of Israel. Due to its novelty, citizen scientists were urged to collect the dead fish, bring them to a testing station. Subsequent analysis showed that most of the fish died due to a bacterial infection, that they were all overcome by something called Streptococcus anae. The researchers at the time noted that the bacteria is always present in the water, and wondered why the fish were suddenly overcome with it. They found that just prior to the die-off, the water in the area where they had died had just experienced an abrupt warming event. Temperatures had risen from 4.2 degrees Celsius in just 2.5 days in July of that year. It happened again in August when they rose by 3.4 degrees in just two and a half days. They said they're not able to prove that the sudden warming led to the fish dying or the bacterial infections, but the theory was bolstered when they look at two other mass fish die-offs in Western Australia in 2011 and in Kuwait in 2001. In both instances, the fish died from bacterial infections and there was a sudden warming event. So they can't conclusively prove it, but it looked pretty yeah, darn not, uh, conclusive. Like that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like the, there's a pretty direct correlation with heat yeah. and bacteria. And I can tell you a anecdotal story which i probably have already told on the podcast but i'll say it again i was in costa rica two years ago in june there was a drought that year they didn't get the rains in january that they normally get so there was a seven month drought all the cattle got sick that led to a bad which they then passed through their urine into the water system when the rains come it washes the bacteria into the rivers and lakes I went whitewater rafting where they filmed Jurassic Park in May of 2019. Sick. I got I got leptospirosis and it nearly killed me like seven different ways. It attacks all your organs, but the bacteria only came because of the drought. You drank wow. some cow piss. So, so through several steps, climate change almost killed Danny. No, it's, it sounds like cow piss almost killed Danny. <laughs> yeah. Cow and other other uh cattle it also comes from um you could also get that bacteria from rats so diseased rats is the most common cause of it 
when in a big city, like if you went swimming in, my sister lives in Cambridge, England, and college kids get this bacteria by jumping in the Cam River all the time because there's rat rat piss in, in there. Yeah. So in a, in a big city is where it's most common, but also during floods and during droughts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, and that's only going to, which is, which is terrifying that you almost died in Costa Rica. That's, that's a whole terrifying story on its own, but like we learned over this last year with fucking whatever just went on, but we learned a lot that like fucking, there's a lot of bacteria and shit and animals. We don't want to eat their piss or their shit. We learned that. (laughs) Well, and, and when, and when you start having a volatile, climate and and disturbing these these systems especially with heat and with water you're starting you know as we just learned from these these mass fish die-offs bacteria thrives with these extreme changes in temperature you're creating new life it just might not be good life it might be a deadly bacteria that's gonna get inside you and infect you which i mean we like you learn that as as a cook when you're like in heat, heat and water what? heat and water that's how you do that's how you do things but it's also like the, the, that's how you get you can get uh staphylococcus infections by having a cut and putting right. it in the water uh you know um th- there's all sorts of food food safety things that are all about preventing bacterial spread and bacterial infections right that's why you boil things yeah. you know yeah but, that's funny because you boil things and then heat and water makes a good combination, but uh, <laughs> that slow heat and water sometimes makes a bad bacteria combination. It's such a fine line. It's, but what you know? What, what do they what do they call it in in uh, rural communities where the water is unsafe? It's a it's a boil water advisor. Right? Exactly, you got to boil it, to clean it up. Yeah, and that's right. that, you're killing off the bacteria. But you know what I learned through my infection is that. We, and, and it's interesting to read about this ocean because it's it's kind of the same thing. The bacteria that actually nearly killed me twice after I recovered from leptospirosis is a bacteria we all have in our stomachs called C. difficile. And it's a superbug. And what happened is they, they, they used antibiotics to treat the lepto, which is what I got from, from the whitewater rafting. But then what those antibiotics do is basically like chemotherapy for your stomach. They kill everything. Right. And then they just hope that it grows back normally to normal levels, but it totally doesn't often. So it's a really common thing that happens with antibiotics is it leads to your, your gut bacteria being all out of whack. And then these bad bacteria, they call them that we all have in our stomachs take over and then that can kill you. Yeah. Crazy. So that, that nearly killed me twice. And that was arguably worse than the, than the first bacteria. So it's like yeah. this. It's like this uh, antibiotic came into your system, created like a, a vacuum effect, like America going into Iraq and just pulling out Saddam Hussein. It's just yeah. you get this vacuum effect of all the bad shit, just like trying to fill in, right? Like the defenses are down, so all the bad bacteria that are just you know being held back, you know. And by here's the, good the here's bacteria. The, here's the craziest part. You want to know what they use to treat the superbug that was caused by antibiotics? What? Antibiotics. Yeah, of course. So your your immune system just depleted. And uh, oh yeah. Then the bacteria just runs around. Your, your own that's good what, bacteria turned against you. That's 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 horrible. That's that's what happened. Your bacteria turned against you. 
And I, I remember the second time I was in ICU and I was literally telling the nurse, I'm like, so if the cause of this superbug is antibiotics, how is the cure more antibiotics? And she's like, she's like, I understand what you're saying. I'm like, well, you might want to tell the doctors. And she's like, that's not how it works. Yeah, she's like, I'm on my lunch break now. <laughs> that's, that's some skin ape logic, fucking human logic right there. Uh, but Danny, you were talking about the the we're talking about heat. We're talking about uh, temperature fluctuations. Let's go to the other end. Let's talk about changes in ocean currents and how Ooh. that'll affect the Earth. Because that's almost the ex- it'll almost yeah. I'll get into it here. It'll kind of re- reverse everything that's happening now if it does happen. So the whole idea of um, we all know about the ocean currents, uh, but it just does this giant cycle around the Earth. It it cycles. Hot, warm water from the, the Caribbean and the like, equator draws it all the way up north. That water cools. The salt water, it, it, it rides basically the ocean floor because salt water is nice and dense. So this cold water sinks, does a complete U-turn, comes around Europe. And it just, it, it, it's, what, what does a current do? To, <laughs> it regulates. It pulls it, it, things. It moves yeah. things around. Yeah, it regulates the oceans, and it, it just like everything else, it's very sensitive to to changes. So it what it carries nutrients and food to organisms that live permanently attached in one place. Absolutely, and carries reproductive cells and ocean life to new places. So it's really like kind of just moving. And it also regulates temperature. It it brings hot hot to the cold, and just kind of keeps everything in in some way of balance. So. The only thing that might affect this current is uh, temperature changes and fresh water. So what's happening right now in the Arctic is we're getting so much glacier ice melt being dumped into the ocean at like higher and higher rates in Greenland, pretty much all over the Arctic. Happening in Antarctica too, but it's a much bigger deal what's happening in the Arctic. Because as this happens, it it's beginning to slow the current. Like this isn't like the day after tomorrow. Like it's not just going to stop the current and then tomorrow is going to be negative 50 degrees. This is like a slow change. But as it does this, it will bring extreme, extreme cold temperatures to uh, Canada, northern Europe. It's it'll just change everything because it it'll just completely slow down uh, the, the warm water reaching the Arctic and the fresh water being dumped in is going to make the salt water less uh, dense. So. It's just going to fuck everything up. And that itself, yeah, that'll, then it'll be the day after tomorrow where, you know, there's just crazy. Remember that movie when there's just like giant frozen hurricanes floating around? <laughs> I doubt it'll get that bad, but they're saying it could drop uh, of an average of 10 degrees, which is insane. But wow. if, if that's the case in our, our, like, could that balance everything out? Like the way the earth is heating well, up. That's what I was going to say. What's that going to do when the cold like meets the hot, these heat waves that we're having, they're just going to be like, weather is going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like we have like the earth is heating up to the greenhouse effect. CO2 is being dumped in more and more. We're almost chemical reactions, right? We've and basically then- almost hit the feedback loop of where it's literally too late and it's, CO2. Now that's, there, there's a phrase that you hear all the time. So I'll let you finish your point. But after, could you all, could you explain to the Luddites like me 
I've been hearing the, the the phrase feedback loop for 20 years, and I still don't know what the hell it means. Okay, well, it's it's it, oh, just just the one example essentially is permafrost melting in the Arctic and releasing CO2 into the air. Was it Al Gore talking about that? Yeah. So the more CO2 it releases into the air, the hotter it's going to get, and the more ice it's going to melt. And as this happens as well, more ice is it starts getting you know dirt exposed the ice on top is no longer white and, and blue and fresh looking it's it's dark and black which absorbs the sun's heat even further so it's just going to accelerate the melting and the accelerating of co2 being released and nothing can stop it once it gets to a certain point so that's an example of a feedback loop um i don't know if that you're still confused as you were <laughs> last time you yeah, heard it it makes I, sense. I'm no help. It's just a, it's a it's a kind of a perpetual cycle that just keeps getting worse and feeding into itself. Yeah, and it, it's, it's basically a, the it's the human centipede of uh, climate. Yeah. It's an ass cobra, is what it is. Yeah, it's a, co- it's a cobra eating its ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what when you were talking about that? So I was reminded of something because Al Gore did talk about that in the Inconvenient Truth, right? Yeah, a little bit. He touched on it. I uh I got laid during the inconvenient truth in high school. Or wow! When did it come out? Near the end. Like, <laughs> like 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 in a theater or on a couch? <laughs> yeah, uh, where were you watching uh, it? A futon, I think. Wow! So uh, clearly, but, Al Gore wasn't uh, getting to you. But <laughs> like, I rem- I remember that point that you just made, and then I remember like having teenage sex. <laughs> were you still paying attention though we're like wow we oh. need to do something to this planet <laughs> as you're just, like, <laughs> as you're just drilling let's, her let's walk let's walk through this so at what point do you start the the, yeah. the, the teenage uh, the teenage petting during in, in well, inconvenient truth like opening credits are your hand are your hands already already down the pants he's in the opening 18. credits no i watched at least a third of the movie i was 18 I so you wait you waited until it was like and now I'm going to explain to you how greenhouse gas emissions causes a feedback loop. And you were like, this is yeah, when I, I need to that. make yeah. my move. Yeah, this yeah. is turning me on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get out your laser pointer, Al Gore, and you point to that chart. <laughs> save, saving the world is a turn on of mine. Is that why you watched it to begin with? Did you feel like you have to watch this movie? Like, this is meaningful? Or did about, you think? Or did you think I got to put on this boring movie so that we the, can? Yeah, what, that's what it was. It was a yeah. boring movie. It'll get me laid. What yeah. about the What about the girls that you were hooking up with? What part of this was like? Was it the boredom that that that, that opened her to this experience, or what? Yeah, that's a move of mine. Get them real bored. <laughs> Watch a real boring movie. It's like I'm gonna put on Caddyshack too. <laughs> Let's, let's watch Citizen Kane from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to derail things too much, but I, when you were talking about that, I remember that. And then. Seven. How many, how many seconds did you last as teenage Tyler? <laughs> oh, probably not. Very I probably. You had no, uh, you had was, no, no idea where the clitoris was for it sure. Was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely. It was definitely quicker than the rate we're destroying this planet (laughs) (laughs) so so is this how how we can get you to retain information about like (laughs) environmental issues and stuff you just have to be having sex right in the middle of it (laughs) 
No, because I didn't remember what you were talking about. <laughs> you just remember Al Gore just briefly mentioning it? I remember that movie being a lot like a PowerPoint presentation. It was. It was a, high, a very high production PowerPoint presentation. So check out check out this headline from Global Citizen. 87% of our oceans are damaged by human impact. Only 13% of the world's oceans have intact marine ecosystems. The entire rest of the oceans have been plundered and degraded by human activity. Sounds about right. <laughs> like but it's insane when you think about how he like uh, the the person that, who authored the report says the ocean covers 70% of the planet yet we've somehow managed to significantly impact almost all of it yeah it's an ocean planet and we messed the whole thing up like who like, cares about burning trees the ocean's have, way bigger we probably haven't even been to like 50% of the ocean like, right yeah. Hardly any, and like you think of how huge the ocean is, and like how tiny our ships are, and like how have we managed to fuck up 70 percent, yeah. 80, 83% of it? Like it's yeah, insane. They're, pro- they're projecting the next 25 in 25 yeah. years, there's going to be pretty much no fish left, which means no marine life left at all in the ocean, That's which, which is a uh, integral food supply for over 3 billion people on this planet. Not just people who want to eat sushi in Winnipeg, yeah. Like you were saying before, Danny. Like this is <laughs> this affects people's live livelihood. That's all they have is the ocean. All they have is fishing. Sushi in Winnipeg. Is so yeah. Fun. Well, yeah. I got, so I, I got sushi in Vegas once. I was like, how the fuck did this get here? <laughs> <laughs> Not freshly on a plane. Um, well, but here's the so here's the other thing that's going on, Mega. And I saw this firsthand in Costa Rica. We went to a what was like the most vibrant fishing village in the country. It's like a economic time, like atomic bomb went off in this town. Like the, the windows are all shuttered. Every business is closed. It's been, it's an abandoned ghost town. And what happened is um, China came in and basically China's doing what the U S and, and England have always done as like economic empires, but they're, they're a little bit more like modern and stealth with it. So you guys have read the Confessions of an Economic Hitman, right? Like how yeah. how, Amer- how American Empire operates, yeah. And Brit- American and British Empire are basically one and the same. But um, so what China does is they come in and they're just a little bit more uh, stealth with it. They just straight up offer. Uh, they're like, we'll fix your, uh, we'll, we'll provide you with high speed internet across the country with Huawei. And, and track all your data and use that for our purposes. And then we'll fix your public transport. Like they provide infrastructure. They literally do come in and provide public infrastructure. And then in return, they will take all the fishing rights on, in Costa Rica. It's, they have both uh, Atlantic and Pacific on, on either side because it's in right. Central America. So China just ha- owns all the fishing rights now in Costa Rica. And the whole fishing industry, the local industry, they're not even allowed to fish their own waters. So fucked up. And so China... Not even from the beach? You can't even, like, cast out from the beach? You can, and they do, but, like, you can't commercially fish. But, yeah, on a commercial level or even, like, small local level, they probably have the whole market and they probably just overfish it, too. Yeah, so it's completely overfished. And 90% of the, the fish that's available in stores is not fresh it's frozen and packaged and fr- comes from china yeah. yeah 
Costa Rica is probably getting their, their fish sold back to them. They're getting caught going to China and then getting sent right back to them frozen. And so is Canada. And so like, take a look yeah, at your, yeah. your local food, uh, supermarket is primarily frozen and it's primarily coming from China. It's, it's so messed up. I drove to the lake today and bought fish from a fish market. And it didn't come from China. Yeah, it came from Lake Erie. You'll be able to do that. You'll be able to do that for about five years. But yeah, yeah. even last year they had so, they had so low catch numbers. Uh, they weren't serving perch anywhere along Lake Erie. I bought pickerel. I didn't buy perch. Pickerel, so whatever. That's what I meant. Pickerel. No, they had they had both. Just... I am I am by no means in the alt right uh, rebel news camp, but you know. If you weren't paying attention for the last year, freedom is on the way out in North America. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) It ain't going to be a thing too much longer around these parts. We had it. We had a good, we had a good run. It was a fun little experiment, but America, America's pretty isolated right now in the freedom department. You know, I thought we were going to be okay. I I thought we were okay. But then Bill, what Bill C10 just came out. Yeah. I haven't even, I haven't even dug into that. I don't care anymore. I'm just like, I'm fully spiritually and mentally prepared to just walk into the mountains at any point. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I think what that's a- where I'm at too. Like I just, I could do it. Let's do it. I bought a hatchet today. <laughs> I, I, I did so much uh, work on uh, foraging. Like I learned so much about mushrooms and yeah, local, local foraging. Like I could, I could seriously probably survive with just a fishing rod and like, See? I, need, I need to learn how to make fire better. That's the main thing I got to work. And on. that's my thing. See, I'm good at fire. And now my goal, if shit goes going down, my goal is just get to Danny. <laughs> it's a terrible goal. I'm so far away from you. How the hell are you going to get here? I know. Now that there's like a whole country in between. So it's going to be a fun little novel for Brandon to write because he's going to have to follow me. But you guys would be much better off going back to Brandon's neck of the woods. It's gonna you, fall off. It's gonna Brandon, fall. It's Brandon, gonna fall yeah, off. yeah, yeah. The flood, the floods are brutal. No, this is definitely the place you want to be. Like, there's a reason I came home. Like, your side might fall off. Too it's much. so much fresh water, and like you can so easily live off the land. And we don't have winters here like the rest of Canada. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's pretty survivable in the winter. I, I know. I've I've thought about it because I've. I've seen it, and it's once you. See but it can it, also it can also rain for like a month and a half straight. And that's not yeah. too fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that does suck. But Brand, and Brandon's side too. I've seen that. I've seen both sides, which I'm lucky enough to have seen both sides now, and they're both fucking good. Now you got to see the top side. You got to go to the Arctic. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Brandon, that's the goal. Go to the top side. Brandon, yeah. what are the what are the like challenges of surviving Nova Scotia? I'd imagine flooding's got to be one of them flooding not really uh depends where you are it is high up but um there's a yeah there's a there's a few like low-lying valleys that probably get flooded here and there but uh are we talking like sea level rise like yeah. over saying, 30 years uh, yeah no, no, no i'm i'm, I'm saying like day-to-day survival like you have to go full bear grills i drop uh, you off in cape breton are you gonna live two years uh you do pretty good except for the winters depends where you are winters are pretty harsh you get a lot of accumulation like where my family's from in the highlands like uh you got to go through the national park beautiful drive but those roads get like 15 feet of snow just dumped on them so if you don't get constant plowing like (laughs) where my family's from pleasant bay they just get trapped they can be trapped for a week straight before they actually get the roads clear but and and uh, this is this is something i'm super fascinated about like 
how well versed are you on um, with no Western influence? Could you cure and dry like meat to get through the winter? Do you know how to do that without learning how to do it? <laughs> just like, like figuring it out. Yeah, like just I assume that you know in ancient times they would just use the sun that was like their dehydrator. You yeah. Dry it out. Dry it out on a, on a big mat in the sun. You build cedar it, I, boxes. You got to build some cedar boxes. And I know, like pemmican was like key to the plains uh, native survival, and that was basically just like ground up berries, meat, and uh, grains. You know, into Maybe like a, a, almost a, almost a powder that they would carry in a in a satchel. Yeah, that was how they survived. Yeah. Um, Take what you can and you mash it all up. Do you do you know Brandon? Like what was how 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 were the indigenous or the um uh not the metis what, what were they called the Mi'kmaq uh, no the uh, uh oh, the acadians like how do the acadians oh they those survive? aren't the indigenous people the the Mi'kmaq the acadians are the the french but, that showed up <laughs> they're ha- half french half indigenous so they're like the, the maritime metis right uh, yeah like they're they're big uh seafarers as well so they eat lots of fish lots of like lobster crab Back in the day, that was like considered peasant food, but yeah, no, they. Yeah, how 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 did the Mi'kmaq survive before Western technology arrived? Just, what was what was their key yeah. to survival? They just had a rich environment around them. They lived in nature, just like any other native tribe. There's lots of moose, lots of deer to hunt. There's lots of lots of berries, lots of edible plants out in Nova Scotia. So Where it's a. Build- real- were they building igloos to get through the winter? Like, how were they surviving the winters? Oh, yeah. They built little huts and stuff. They, like, I don't know if they did longhouses out there, but they had means of getting through the winter, I imagine. That's like this. And, uh, but no, it's, that's definitely a good place to go when the shit goes down. Um, especially in the highlands, because uh, if you're also worried about sea levels rising, you'll, you're, you're good up in the mountains there. There's definitely a few flat spots in Nova Scotia that are going to get flooded. Same with Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island's going to get split into three islands eventually. Okay, so the, the traditional Mi'kmaq shelter for the winter was called a conical wigwam. Constructed, awesome. constructed from poles covered with birch bark strips. I remember that from social studies class. Birch bark was like the key to the pretty much all Canadian indigenous tribe survival. That's what they built all their boats out of and housing like it was super important birch yeah birches. yeah so, they, so basically, basically teepees right they sew, they sew that together with spruce trees uh, they were varied considerably in height and circumference depending on the season of the year and then for food it was caribou moose small game that was how they got through the, the winter and then summer it was a lot of fish shellfish and seals. Yeah, plentiful seals. out there. That's the good stuff. You want some of that seal blubber to keep you warm in the winter. Just uh, just fill out your jackets. <laughs> yeah, last year I lived at the mouth of the Qualicum River and this amount of seals just blew me away. Like, and fish. Like, holy crap. You could, it, it's still like so plentiful that you could probably just drag a net and like, catch stuff. Well, Danny, I think out of all three of us, you are you're a best set for running off into the mountains when shit goes down. I, I know, you're pretty much my there. Play, my I'm essentially there. I'm essentially there. Like I, I don't have a fixed address right now. I don't have any ties to Western society. 
And mentally, I'm prepared to close my laptop and turn off my phone and walk into the woods. You you run our Twitter account, man. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I ran it for one week, and then I did it again for one day. Yeah, at least bring your phone with you. (laughs) But... uh, I have paid. I have paid my phone bill in advance a couple of months, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm literally like one thread away. It's like I could, I could, I could walk at any point. I'm I'm ready to. Yeah. Well, I think I think we're all ready mentally to do it, but I can't wait till it actually happens and we're forced to, to just walk into the woods because there's no choice, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. But think but, of think of how good the like the uh, Robin Hood. And his merry men stand-up comedy circuit is going to be like just in the oh, woods with yeah. with no microphone, with a fire like, going, just a stump as your stage. Yeah, just making jokes <laughs> about cannibalism and starvation and just all the fun topics of the day. A, a good you guys, cannibal. You guys know when a cougar really gets a hold of your legs, like you know, you're just, it's just you know you're going to have to cut off your own leg, and it's like, man, I don't know where the funny part. Is. <laughs> the wolves, <laughs> the wolves yeah. are coming. Man. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get deeper into this. We got to wrap this episode up. We only have a minute left on our Zoom call. And we have uh, another meeting to get to. We got another meeting to get to. Tyler, you're always squeamish when I talk about cannibalism. So guess what? One of our topics soon is going to be cannibalism. And we're we going to have gotta, fun. We, have, we never, we never even, we, we we never even got we never even got to this amazing headline. Death of one million seabirds tied to massive blob of hot water in the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> The new what? death metal album by Cannibal yeah. Corpse. <laughs> That's what you said that sounded like a death metal. Look, I don't even say it again before right. the time runs out. Just say it. Death one of one million seabirds tied to massive "quote unquote" blob of hot water in the Pacific, January 17, twenty twenty. Hot water blobs. We're doomed. Weren't those big in the eighties? The heat wave created a patch of much warmer seawater in the Northeast Pacific, which stretched for a thousand miles. Parts of it reached 10.8 degrees Fahrenheit higher than usual. So the earlier mass uh, kill-offs of fish, they were only talking about like two to three degrees increase. This was an 11 degree increase in the water. That's crazy. Right. Researchers right. have termed it the blob. So we're now literally looking at like corny old horror movies called the blob. There's right. blobs out there, people. There's the blob's blobs. coming. We're doomed. We're doomed.